This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products for the very first time, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They ship within North America. This is more geared towards your athletes, so it's more ointments and rub-ons and like lotions of that sort, so it absorbs into your skin for muscle pains, aches, and inflammation. So if you have any of that sort, even if you're not an athlete, it works. Very low THC, less than 1%. You will not get high, so do not worry. And this thing works wonders. Like I said, they have a bunch of products on there, so go visit blackbeltcbdproducts.com. And if you're into nerd culture, collectibles, signed memorabilia, all that sort of stuff, go visit firstrow.ca. This is a Canadian company that I love to support, as I say, each and every week. They are based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. They are first row collectibles. If you use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll receive 20% off. They update daily, like I mentioned. They have everything from signed memorabilia to hockey cards to even signed skates, signed used hockey gloves, all of that stuff. Wrestling memorabilia as well, if you're into wrestling. You can find it there. And if you want to support me directly, you could scroll down on your device. It's embedded right there in today's description. Click on the link. It takes you straight to my T Public store page. And I have everything from hoodies to T-shirts to travel. Travel? No. Travel mugs. Regular mugs. Anything of that sort is there pretty much. That supports me directly. And I know it's hard time. So if you don't want to dish out anything monetarily, the easiest and fastest and most anything possible good thing you could do for me is to rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, especially Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So, today's guest has been making video games for quite a while now, which is good for me because I've been playing them for quite a while as well. He has worked on such games as Def Jam Icon, the Army Man series, and two of my all-time favorites, Mutant League Football and Mutant Football League. Yes, we will touch on that. Producer author and founder of Digital Dreams Entertainment, Michael Mendheim. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, thanks for coming aboard. Really appreciate it. Like I said, you've been doing this for quite some time now. How long have you been actually in the video game business? 
So um, I actually got my start in video games by uh, doing box covers. Oh. So like I did Cyberball and Spy Hunter and all of these like nice. classic games. I was doing the um, illustrations for those box covers. And then that kind of started pushing me into um, video games in general where – you know, back in those days, development teams were like three guys, right? <laughs> right? You had an engineer, maybe an artist. He was shared. Most of the art in the games were uh, programmer art anyways. But sometimes they'd go, hey, we're going to, can you do some sketches for us? And they would digitize those sketches and put them in the game. So I started doing that. And one thing led to another. And then before I knew it, I was kind of... Um, started designing a game so the first game i ever did was a game called fester's quest for the nes so that was my first game it did over a million units i didn't know what the hell i was doing as a designer (laughs) i also illustrated the box cover for that all right and um you know, that was my first game, and so I kind of transitioned from being an illustrator mm-hmm. over to uh, game design after that title. So have you always been a video game fan? Have you been playing video games your whole life, even yeah, before? Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I, you know, we had uh, Pong, right? We were, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we kept Pong for Christmas, so... That was the first video game system that I ever um, owned in our house. But prior to that, obviously, you know, going to the arcades, playing pinball. So I, I, you know, I love video games. I love the industry. And uh, I just it's it's been really cool seeing the transition of our industry from, you know, Pong to call of duty right (laughs) exactly it's just it's just so amazing how this industry has transformed i remember ces used to be the consumer electronics show used Mm -hmm. to be the big video game show right right and that was way before e3 and then you'd go to some of these parties and like they'd just be like sausage fest right (laughs) there'd be very few women (laughs) And now you go to like E3 and you go to parties there and it's just like so much more diverse and it's just, you know, it's mainstream now, makes more money, generates more revenue than Mm -hmm. uh, Hollywood movies. So the transition has just been, you know, remarkable. That's crazy. Well, you've pretty much done the full, I guess, circle starting off with, like I mentioned in your introduction, it it was originally called Mutant League Football, but then you remade it in Mutant Football League. So what, okay, before we get into the game, why was there a name change? Well, so the first Mutant League um, sports game we did, Mutant League Football, um, I pitched that idea to one of my friends who was a producer at Electronic Arts at the time. Okay. And he thought it was a pretty cool idea, and he got me into a pitch meeting with Trip Hawkins and, you know, Richard Hilleman and all the guys at EA that were there at that time. And, yeah, I was a young kid, and I had this idea for a game, but I had pretty good art skills, so (laughs) the presentation was pretty cool with, like, the skeletal football players. Right. And my whole thing was I wanted to parody real NFL. Okay. 
with like the mutant players okay. and that was kind of the hook and i went in there and i pitched it and i mean they didn't put like a lot of chips behind this concept or anything but <laughs> trip thought it was a cool idea and uh, a couple of the other uh, executive producers there and they said all right get, you know let's let's put a little budget behind this and see what they can come up with right and obviously at the same time, you had Hilleman and Scott Orr were doing their Genesis versions of uh, Madden, right? So right. Madden had transitioned from PC onto console, mm-hmm. and Madden was just a phenomenon at that time. It was, you know, you went from Intellivision football to Madden, right? and, uh, you know, so... Everybody at EA was kind of all the eyes were on Madden, and I was doing like this list little bastard football game <laughs> in a dark corner of EA with yeah. uh, you know a number of uh, team members, and it, it just turned out really well. Like it, it yeah. wasn't Madden, and it was never supposed to be Madden, and we didn't build it on the Madden engine, which right. is like everybody thinks we did. We didn't. Uh, it was our own team uh, engineering that game and us figuring the AI out. And we had these little monsters that could die and it was bloody and it was gory and we had a lot of personality. And when they put that game in the focus groups, it it, it focus tested really well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I was never sure whether it was going to be successful or not, but uh, it did pretty good for us. No, it did. Like I said, I think I was around 12 years old when this game came out, more or less. And I spent many a weekends, because especially back then, when games were a bit more expensive and uh, there wasn't as much of a selection, so you'd be playing the shit out of a game over and over, right? So this was one of the games that I spent my childhood on a lot. So thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and it got decent reviews. um, And then we, prior to uh, shipping, like when we were around Alpha... You know, the marketing teams, with this product, this Mutant League, whatever, what the hell is this product? And I wasn't an official EA employee. I was a contractor, but I was kind of practically living there. Right. And then they're like, well, who's the executive producer of that? Well, originally it was Richard Robbins who brought me in, but he had left EA. Mm -hmm. So there was no producer. It was kind of just me and our team, which Mm -hmm. was like about... 12 guys and then EA goes holy shit you know get we need a producer on this this game's supposed (laughs) to ship here soon so they brought in uh Sam Nelson who was like came in there and um you know kind of turned everything upside down initially but then was instrumental in us getting the product out And then after that, Sam kind of wanted to build a brand around this. So he initiated the television show and uh, we were working on Mutant Hockey League and we were working on a whole number of different Mutant League sports themed games. But yeah, I mean, we had comic books, we had action figures, we had a Saturday morning cartoon show, which was just... I mean, that show hit on, you know, serious topics for that time, like gay athletes and steroids and all kinds of stuff. 
it was the first cartoon show to actually use 3D graphics in its opening. Okay. Um, the show had deaths. Of course, the guys could get rejuvenated and come mm. back alive. But it was it was it was a really like mind blowing kind of show for children. It was crazy. Yeah, I just wonder if it's because I was up here in Canada. I never knew there was a cartoon of the show, or else I would have watched it for sure. Maybe we just didn't oh, get yeah. it up here. Yeah, um, it's hard to. I I actually have episodes, but oh. it's hard to. Um, find them on the internet but there are some but every time one goes on youtube like it gets pulled off oh i see uh yeah good old youtube <laughs> well okay you mentioned it too you worked on mutant league hockey as well so this came after or was this something already that you're like okay if football takes off i'm going to do hockey and then so forth and so on well when we were kind of done with um mutant football mutant league football and it was in tests like we started generating ideas for the next game, right? Okay. So, you know, there's not much we can do with the product once it's getting close to final candidate. Like it's got to go through its test process. And the only thing we're touching is bugs. Mm. So there's no more tuning by me or anything like that. It's just pure bug fixing to get through submission. Right. So the product can be released. So that process is usually a couple months, right? So during that process, we started creating designs for what was the next game we were going to do. And for me, like, it was a no-brainer. It had to be hockey because we, for Mutant League sports, we're looking for contact sports and we're looking for that type of thing because it's just... It's easier to make a Mutant League game if there's hitting in the game than, like, if it's baseball. I mean, we can still do it with baseball, but hockey was such a natural, right? Of course. So are you a hockey fan then as well? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm from Chicago, right? So I'm a Blackhawks. Pure Blackhawks, diehard fan. Oh, that's good to hear. So you didn't only work on uh, that hockey game. Didn't you also work on an NHL Hockey All-Star 95? Yep, uh, I worked on that as well. And okay, so obviously one's more simulation, one's more tongue in cheek and fun. What, what's the biggest difference making these or being a part of these teams making these games? Well, I mean, there there's completely different games, but I think it always comes down to the talent you work with. Okay. You know, um, having an engineer who's more Godzilla who can just kind of do stuff. And like, if you're talking about puck physics, like he could just Mm, get it versus some guy that's struggling with it. So if you're working with a guy who's struggling with stuff like that, it's just, you you just know that the product's not going to end up being everything you had hoped it could be. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Um, well, there is. I mean, you can you can just stop the product, or you can do what you need to do to try and uh, correct that. But you know, usually uh, a new engineer is going to come in, and he's not going to like the existing code base, mm-hmm. right? So he's going to want to start over. And sometimes you just don't have that luxury. Right. So with uh, Mutant Hockey League, we had. Um, since it's a kind of like a fantasy-inspired game, you just have so much more leeway 
to get away with stuff. Mm. Where if you're doing a simulation, it's like, you know, people compare it to what they're seeing on TV or they're comparing it to the best hockey game that's out in the market. Right. And the bar just naturally gets much higher, right? Mm. So, for example, Madden, you know, you can play Madden, and I've had, like, my parents walk in, and they go, oh, who's winning the game? Because they think it's a real (laughs) football game, right? Right. And that's when, like, the guys at Madden go, woohoo, we did our job. Of course. Because it sounds and looks exactly like what you watch on television. Right. And that's what a simulation sports game is. Every nuance, you know, is is like that. Where when you do a game like Mutant League or Mutant Football League, it's like, yeah, we're not building a simulation. What we're trying to build is a game that's going to entertain the hell out of you. Mm. And preferably, it's going to be more fun if you're drinking some beers. <laughs> and, you know, we want to make you laugh while you're playing or right. scream or throw your controller down <laughs> because you just lost your quarterback. And we really kind of built that for, like, you playing against your buddy. Right. And both of you, you know, maybe you've smoked a couple and have drank a couple <laughs> beers. And now it's like, you know, who can fuck the other guy up better. And, right. and that's the Mutant League experience. Of it's course. just completely different, and it's just complete mayhem. No, most definitely. So is there going to be a remake of Mutant Hockey League? You know, it's funny because the most diehard Mutant League fans are the hockey fans. And they swear by hockey, and they are the most dedicated, loyal, fiercest community members (laughs) that we have. Like, much more intense than the football guys. Um, We'd love to do a hockey game, and we get asked this all the time. I mean, I just got, like, from our community this morning, somebody (laughs) asking about, when are you guys going to do Mutant League Hockey? (laughs) And... Um, you know, it, it, we fund our own products, right? Okay. So our, we're, a, we're an indie game studio and we fund our own products. And every time, like every year we update the rosters on mutant football league. Oh, okay. So coming year, you're going to get all the new players, you know, and we don't charge for that. Oh, that's like, crazy. Yes. We just give it, we just do that as a thank you to our community. And then we will put out DLC, we'll charge for some DLC. But um, we don't have the money at this moment in time to go build hockey. Mm. So we're working on another project right now. It's not a Mutant League sports project, but it is a sports project. Um, It's a big game for our company. And uh, we're kind of in the looking for funding right now for that project. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have, you know, some serious interest. And we're hoping by doing this title, we can generate enough revenue to do some other, you know, continue doing the mutants sports games. Right. Makes sense. So... You know, the titles do 
pretty well for us, but on the grand scheme of things, um, you know, they're not million unit sellers, right? right? They're they're kind of like culty games. They have their own fan base. Almost everybody who like sits down and starts playing it, like if they like football games, mm-hmm. they have a really good time playing it, and they'll probably end up buying it. Right. But the marketing push that some of the bigger publishers have and that type of thing, we just we we don't have that um, yet. That's kind of what we're trying to build towards. Uh, but it's kind of also cool to be an indie game studio and to do what you love. And, um, you know, obviously we want our community to be happy and we listen to our community and we do development based on what the community's asking for. But doing hockey, like, that's that's a big ask, right? That's a That's a year to get the game done probably a year and a half it's a full team so we were hoping that the uh mutant football league was going to generate enough money for us to go ahead and do that Mm -hmm. and it didn't quite do that for us Mm. that sort of makes sense so okay before we get back into mutant football league when did digital dreams entertainment start when did all this come together well we my uh partner Maxim Novikov, uh, we do development in Ukraine, Kiev, oh, and Maxim okay. runs the development group out there. He's the GM of our studio, and on uh, in the U.S. side, I am more of the design creator guy, okay. and uh, I work with a lot of U.S. contractors, whether it be writers, artists, musicians, so a lot of U.S. talent. And then we, we take like the concept art or the music or whatever, and, and then that all goes to Kiev, and they mm-hmm. build the product. So Maxime and I started our company in 2010, but we had other jobs like we were doing. Okay. So when we started it, it was more of a promise to each other that once we got done, we would come back to Digital Dreams, and we would continue that. Okay. And so the even though the company was formed in 2010, it was kind of sitting there for three years before we we actually started doing something with it. Oh, there you go. So back to MFL. I love this game. Like like you said, well, as soon as someone picks it up and has played a football game before, you'd fall in love with it and you just want more of it. Because now as I'm getting older, I've had this conversation plenty of times on old episodes where I'm just not into the simulation part of it anymore. I just want to pick up a game and have some fun. I don't want to be in detail and do all this and micromanage everything, so to speak. You know what I mean? So, well, sometimes it takes 20 minutes just to right? start. Right? Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. And you could literally, like, I, I went, I breezed through a season literally within a week. And I, it's not like I was binge playing or anything. It was just like a couple hours here, a couple hours there. And I managed to just fly through a whole season and everything. And I was like, this is exactly what I want in a sports game. I don't want it to take up my whole time and me not be able to play other games if I want to play other games as well, right? Totally. And and, and that's what we wanted to deliver. I mean, Mutant League football is like a, a grindhouse movie, right? I mean, yes. it's, it's, it's like... You know what you're going to get. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, We want to have really good gameplay, though. Like, 
the gameplay has got to be fun. It's got to be good. Mm-hmm. But we also want to make you laugh while you're playing. And we also kind of want to shock you at times and just <laughs> do things that are unexpected. And the beauty of Mutant Football League is it never plays the same way twice. Yes. There's always moments that are just so freaking amazing that you couldn't recreate if you tried. If you tried to program that, it wouldn't happen because it's just (laughs) spontaneous where you have like six guys die on the same play and you have fumble, fumble, fumble. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to the goal line. Boom, he steps onto mine. Now he's dead. I mean, it's just like it's always different. And that's kind of cool. I mean, that's why people are like still playing the game. Because it's it's always different. Um, completely unexpected stuff happens. No, for sure. And I love the way it starts. Like the tutorial is perfect. It, it, even if you've never played a football game before or if you just need a quick refresher. Because to me, this is pretty much Madden, but on crack. Like, so to speak. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So <laughs> you got blood we here. Had, we had a lot of dads, right? And okay. some moms. It's, it's amazing because there are a bunch of women who like mutant football league and the reason they like it is because when they were growing up their older brothers made them play it right because they wanted somebody to play against and then they just like the game and it's really weird like at some of the cons i have dads or moms come and they when we were developing the game right. and we were just show they were like I need this for my kid, and I need a knob that turns off swearing, and I need this, and because they want to play it with their kids, but right. they gotta have the controls on the game so they can play it with their kids. And so again, we listen to our community for sure. I mean, that's yeah. part of our development strategy. So we're we're always trying to. You know, we can't do everything everybody asks, but when there's a consensus. We want a werewolf. We want a werewolf. Like we, okay. Everybody wants a werewolf. I personally would have voted for the sexy babe, but the whole community wants the werewolf. And we did like surveys. Do you want the sexy babe or you want the werewolf? We want the werewolf. Can you make the werewolf sexy? (laughs) No. that's what we're dealing with no but that's what again that's what i love about this game too because there's so much options you have so much control like you said you could turn you could even turn down the speed you could turn up the brutality the swearing and even if you want to play like a sim there's enough rpg elements to it where you could play and be like that general manager type thing instead of just skipping because i just auto programmed everything and just let the computer do everything for me right because i just wanted to play but if you're into that pure simulation as well it has it for you so hats off to literally checking off almost every box oh thank you and the other thing that i love obviously it has to be uh, not only because he was a former guest but because he commentates Tim Kittrow, or sorry, sorry, uh, well, you, who you guys call Grim Blitzrow. <laughs> Tim is a wild man. He is, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's so talented, though, and he's so good. And when we started development on this, I kind of knew who I wanted to have. I oh, wanted okay. Tim Kittrow because I thought bringing a talent like Tim on board. Right would add legitimacy to the product and also kind of for sure 
let everybody know this is a retro kind of arcade sports game and there's no other voice that I could put on this product that would instantly give it that. Mm -hmm. So Tim uh, is a Chicago guy. Right. And so am I. And I just, I wrote him. (laughs) <laughs> let's get together let's let's meet up let's have some coffee and sure. you know he's the nicest dude um get a few beers in him and you know <laughs> that goes to different levels right but we we're really good friends we get along great and uh i love working with him we we always called ourselves because we don't we don't have the budgets of ea or like other companies so we're like a cool. garage band Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going into the studio, like one of our friends who has a studio in his basement, <laughs> and it's kind of cold, like, right. the only positive is the beers aren't getting warm <laughs> while we're, we're recording, so, That's I mean, really, it was, it's total, you know, we're, we're squeezing pennies to get the product out, but we got it out, and it, it all worked out, it's just, you know, it's not easy being an indie game studio um, and, you know, chugging along and having everybody paid in a nice way so you can keep, like, really good talent. It's a struggle, um, but it's a good struggle. Oh, I could have... Well, yeah, I guess first world problems, as they say, right? (laughs) Yeah, uh, but it's been very cool. It's been so rewarding, and, you know, we're still alive, we're still making games, and um, we just learned so much from the first Mutant Football League and then Mutant Football League Dynasty, and I think our studio set up in a really kind of cool way right now to do something really special. Oh, I can't wait to see what's down the pipe, as they say. Well, uh, uh, Tim also had a few other people commentating. Was that was that him as well, or was was this? Yeah. Oh, so he so, did all the voices. Going back to budgets, real quick, before I okay. go to Tim, like sure. we can't compete with larger publishers almost on any level. Okay. Except for creativity, of course. Like that creativity is one area where it's a level playing field. And it's easier for us to come up with creative ideas that are just completely off the wall than having to take those creative ideas and bring them through a whole marketing thing and then filter them through a focus group. So what Kids Row brought to the table was like this just over-the-top abundance of creativity and off-the-wallness that I didn't have to go get approved by everybody in marketing. Right. It was just instinctually as a producer, I'm going, is this going to fly or not? Like (laughs) some things are over the line. But most of this stuff, you know, if it's too over the top, the community lets us know, and then we'll get rid of that line. Kitsro um, brought this uh, dude along who was um, an actor. Okay. And uh, he was also a voice actor, and Tim and him were good buddies, and um, he really helped a lot with the writing of Mutant Football League. I mean, he was completely instrumental in what we were doing. So, okay, one of my favorite lines has to be, 
I, uh, obviously, I'm improvising here, and it's not word for word. But what does MFL stand for? It stands for Mutants. I'd like to fuck. No, no, it's it's not MILF. It's MFL. So who came up with that line? I don't know, man. I don't remember. <laughs> I wish I did. I just don't. And you guys also have all kinds of puns in this. Like this, like you said it too. Oh. This full of puns from. Saying like sponsorships like Taco Hell from players' names, like I just love the the names you came up with: Julio Bones, Mad Mantonio Crown, Scarsome yeah, Wentz, like all these and names. Our uh, community helps a lot too. Oh, like, okay. Because I was going to ask that, like, who actually sat down and thought of all these names? Um, we have so at the end of the day, everything is getting filtered with through me. Okay. And I um I probably end up writing sixty to seventy percent of the material, and then I also work with a lot of different contract writers. Okay. And um, like I'm approving all of the writing as it comes in, but I, I'll never like pass up a great line, and we get so many great lines from writers that we're working with as well as um members of our community they're always throwing out team names and player names i mean it never ever ever stops oh that's cool that must be a big help then (laughs) well we they always get it like on facebook um there's they're they're just always contributing stuff but that one mutants I'd like to fuck that had to be Derek. So Derek was the guy I was talking about who Tim brought in. Oh, okay. Okay. So his name was Derek Dzizak and Derek uh, was a Chicago dude as well. And he passed away um, on his honeymoon. Oh shit. From some weird disease. Oh, my and before we even put the game out, right. And it was tragic. And we have um, a dedication in the product to Derek at the end of the game. Like if you let all the credits roll and you see all the Kickstarter backers and everything in loving memory to Derek. Nice. And uh, it was it just affected us so much. And when Tim and I go in the recording studio, we always have a picture of Derek up there. Mm taped to the wall and Derek was a phenomenal writer and he was like he was a sick motherfucker in terms of his <laughs> writing like he'd come up with stuff that was just so so bizarre it's like where do you even like come up with mutants <laughs> I'd like the fuck right it had a, that line had to be Derek so um he was he was he was he reminded me a lot of like a young John Belushi. Oh, okay. Yeah, he kind of even looked like John Belushi, like raising his eyebrow and he was a little overweight and all of that. <laughs> but he was so creative and you know, I, I they asked if they could help write lines. I'm like, sure, who might have told Tim Kitzrow no, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so so they write lines and Tim writes his lines and like Tim sends me like I don't know, 40, 50 lines, really wow. good stuff. And then Derek comes. Derek's like pages and pages oh and pages God. and pages of material. <laughs> and like 80% of it is awesome. 
and he just got it, and yeah. he just was so excited about working on a video game, and that it was Mutant League. He was just so into it, and he was getting married, and they had their honeymoon. Um, I think it was um, in the Bahamas. Okay, I think. And he came down with an illness, and like you don't want to come down with an illness in the Bahamas. Right. That's always my big fear of traveling is getting sick somewhere else. Whew. So, but yeah, he was he was awesome. Wow, that's awesome to hear. So, does that mean do you update the commentary? So, does Tim come in every once in a while and you guys shoot new? Oh yeah, oh, okay. we do. And every new team, like every time we put out a new team, oh, it that's comes true. A new arena, and it right. comes with a new VO and uh, a new theme song. And I do update them. Um, sometimes not as much as I would like, uh, just because we're. Yeah, we're not at like a big studio. We've got like uh, 16 guys, right? Mm. So we're working on a variety of different projects. Uh, some of the guys in our, in our studio, like we're going to be putting out um, a game called Carnivores on Xbox and on PlayStation 4, which is like a, uh, a dinosaur shooter oh, type okay. of game. But you're, you're basically hunting dinosaurs. Um, and it, it's kind of a, a cool retro product, okay. and, and we're, we're putting that out. Um, we're obviously updating Mutant Football League, and then we're also working on like our next big project. Got it. Well, you mentioned arenas. Well, one of my favorite arena has to be the Mile High Chronic in Indica Springs, Colorado. Like Again, who writes this stuff? This is just gold. <laughs> Well, I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> and even the little nuances of the arena, like this, all the psychedelic stuff, the mushrooms, oh, yeah. the bright lights. It's like, these guys hit it dead on, man. <laughs> well, it's not like it's not ever one person, right, okay. in terms of our process. Right. So, like, the Indica stuff and all of that. Like, I knew every every team has to have a theme. Right. That's just how we roll, right? Okay, so yeah, we yeah. have a our all dead rock and roll team right where we've got all the rock and roll stars which we call um you know you can Jimi hendrix and everybody okay on nice. this team <laughs> uh for the denver team th when we were creating that team it was when uh colorado legalized marijuana so we just figured oh when, yeah mile high chronic for sure and then, so I kind of set the theme loosely, mm -hmm. and then, you know, you've got Kitsro adding stuff to it. Then when it goes to our artist, he's the guy who's, like, starting to add the mushrooms and this and that, <laughs> you know. So, and then I see the arena, I'm like, well, we got to have a rainbow, right? There's got to be a rainbow, and, and it's kind of like that. It's... The, it, it's very kind of fluid. It, we we set up a design and we kind of right. know where we're gonna go. Perfect. But then there's a lot of improv and creativity for whoever's working on it to get in there and add their own. Sure. To the concept, so it's not like it has to be done exactly like this. Yeah. You know, this development process, especially for Mutant Football League, is a much more free flowing kind of open team 
contribute great ideas to this. And, you know, if something gets in there and it looks stupid, we, we kind of look at it and go, no, that's got to go. But right. most of the time what they're adding is all added benefits. So, well, you mentioned it too right now. You have a lot of room and ability to improvise and do what you want to do. Is that the biggest difference from owning and working with your own studio versus like a big studio like EA? So it depends on the project, right? And so if you're doing uh, licensed products, they're very specific. Like you can't go free form on Bugs Bunny. (laughs) Um, You you have style guides. You have logos. You got to match the PMS colors for you know the Denver Broncos or Mm. you know the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's there's a whole approval process beyond that so it depends if you're doing a licensed game or not um if you're not doing a licensed play uh game i you know there's a ton of games that have a ton of creativity very creative development teams that are working for big companies like ubisoft and electronic arts that you know they're allowed to go off and create you know what they want Mm. but they got to prove within a schedule that they could deliver those great creative ideas right. when that project has to go out the door. Yeah, and so it's a little different in that. I mean, yeah, there are publishers that go, ah, this product's not ready. We're not releasing this. Work on it more. Or they'll kill it at Alpha and they'll just go, it's dead. But they, you know, they have big marketing pipelines, so you can't, like, you have to kind of be within the schedule for when the product release is planned. For us, we have a little bit more flexibility, but still, within our own pipelines uh, for getting products out, you know, we'll run out of money if we don't get them out when we need to get them out. So we generally... um, when we're developing titles, we tend to try to have them more focused and less ambitious. And uh, we, we try to leave things open and let the game evolve as we're developing it. But we almost never add like large features, you know, past a certain point because that's mm. going to pull the train off the tracks. Uh, we like to keep the game very focused and we like to get our core gameplay in early. So like for Mutant Football League, before we had Dynasty or any of those features, it was all about passing and tackling and just making sure that the the core game mechanics were fun and how the character's moving right. before we worried about anything. You know, because... It's too hard once you get to alpha, if your game's not fun, to try and figure out how to make it fun at alpha. Right. You want your game core mechanic, whatever that might be. You know, if it's an RTS, you want the, you know, collecting and all of that stuff kind of working before you add everything on top of it. For us, it was the core mechanics of passing and running and tackling the cameras, how the character moved, mm-hmm. all of that working very early before we even worried about all the other shit like dirty tricks and all of that. It was just the core mechanics. So the core mechanics are fun, 
when you're early in the game, you know they're going to be fun at alpha. True. Yeah, that does make sense. Exactly, because it's so true. You want something to be fun and good, and then you could work out the kinks afterwards, because if it's not fun, there's really nothing to work out. It's a dud, yeah, right? And I've made a lot of products in my day, and I've made a lot of products that have bombed, right? <laughs> I've made a lot of products that weren't good, Yeah. that I'm not proud of. Uh, for whatever reasons, at the end of the day, if you're the producer, it's your fault. So it doesn't matter. So if the product sucked, it was my fault. It sucked. But... Um, you know, you can learn and not make those mistakes again. And if your game's not fun early and you're going, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to add this feature. If we add this feature, all of a sudden the game's going to be more fun. Like, that doesn't work. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it never has worked. It doesn't work. Um, there's still guys that think that works. It never works. Right. So we always, like, want a prototype. It's ugly. We would never show it to anybody. But, you know, it's like whatever we're doing, it's like it's got to be fun early. And, and that's just how we develop. And then we can add all the crap on top of it we want that time allows. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're going to have a fun game because the mechanic is sound. Exactly. Well, another fun part about the game as well is halftime. Who thought of this mini game, and when when did this come to fruition? Yeah, well, we had we had like eight great ideas. Um, hmm. We we ha- actually had twenty, but only eight <laughs> of them were <laughs> only eight of them were good. Um, and out of those eight, the the one that was kind of the least problematic was oh. the one we went with. Okay. But I think we had some better ideas than that. Hmm. Uh, that wasn't me. That was uh, a team member. Because um, we, when we go, okay, we got to do a halftime show. Right. So usually, what we do is we we send it out to our community to see what the community is coming up with, right? Okay. And if a guy comes up with something cool that we're going to use, his name will go in the game. Like he's got to sign a release. Right. We'll give him some swag or whatever. <laughs> and, but uh, so we always try to involve the community. For this particular one, we didn't have anything that was like doable. Um, so we went into a room and, you know, we got, we got to come up with an idea and everybody went home and for a couple of days or thinking of ideas and we come in and we put them up on the wall and try and pick them apart. And, you know, if you if you go in there kind of with a uh, loving attitude to everybody's ideas, Mm. but you want to still put as many bullets in it as you can while it's in paper form without having to invest all the time developing it, then, you know, pretty much you start dwindling down all these great ideas into what is feasible and what is going to cause us the less Makes least sense. amount of problems while still being fun. Of course. And that's how we came up with that. And then obviously we prototyped it very fast because our engineers like a rock star. Hmm. So within like 48 hours, we were playing it and going, oh, it needs this. It needs this. It needs this. And, you know, and then it was like, okay, it's fun. And then we always had all these other ideas that we just never made it. But, um, you know, it's a little silly thing that you do, and if you do it right and you get a decent score, you can resurrect one of your dead guys exactly. after halftime. 
And I love that aspect too. It, it gives you a purpose to play. It's not one of those mini games that you just play for no reason or just to get points, right? Yeah. That's awesome. And one last thing that I love about this game are the hits. We've touched a little bit on it as well. A lot of these hits are spectacular and a lot of them are wrestling moves. Since I'm oh, a wrestling yeah. fan, I was just wondering, are you a wrestling fan as well? I like wrestling games, but in gym class when we had wrestling, I was always sick that day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just something about rolling around on the ground with another dude who was just not appealing to me. <laughs> I get it. Don't worry. I get it. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. But, uh, yeah, I didn't like that, especially the sweat in the armpits. So, But in terms of just <laughs> the pure theatrics of wrestling right. and the moves and the characters, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it has to be there, like those body slams and everything. Right. And they're just fun. And there's nothing more satisfying than just delivering a late hit on yes. your buddy's all-star quarterback <laughs> and just killing him. Yes. For no reason other than I just did that, so now why don't you pull in your crappy, you know, second string quarterback so I can kill him too? <laughs> exactly, and then that's the other thing about this game. You can't. There's the only way you don't only win is by winning the game, but you could also lose by losing a certain amount of players on a certain position, right? Yeah, that's why we have a lot of people playing the game that normally don't play sports games because mm. they don't play it like a sports game. Oh. They go in and they don't care what the score is, right? right? They don't doesn't matter if it's 70 to 0 cuz that's <laughs> not how they're playing. Right. They're playing basically elimination, right. which is they are systematically trying to kill all of your guys. And by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, you're sitting there with a score of 70 to zero. Right. You're kicking their ass, but you're down to your last quarterback. <laughs> and, you know, you still got three minutes to go. And the chances are you're not going to survive, right? right. So, <laughs> and that's how they play it. And they just yep. play, you know, they, they're just going to slowly whittle you away until you have to forfeit and they win. Hey, it's their strategy, right? If that's what they if that's how they want to play the game, then you got to be good enough to thwart it or get around it, right? Oh yeah. And that's why you also have power-ups on defense and both offense and you got crazy moves that you could do to do certain things to give you first downs or you could bribe the ref. So there's all sorts of goodies. Like we've been talking about this like the whole episode pretty much. So if you haven't if we haven't sold you, then I don't know what will. So please go pick up this game today. And what platforms is it available on? Yeah, thank you. I was just going to jump in there, but you are <laughs> such a pro. You got just boom. Um, we're on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, which is just an absolute kick to play on, and also uh, PC on Steam, right? So right. we're across all the platforms. If you play locally and you have your friends over, of course social distancing that ain't gonna happen right. but um <laughs> you could play like four player on in the living room which is like the most mayhem you can possibly get out of a game is play four player mutant football league but online it's head to head up to two players 
And then we have um, a variety of modes in the game for whatever your play style is. We've got seasons. We've got a game called Dynasty Mm -hmm. where you play multiple seasons, kind of like a franchise mode, only in our franchise mode, like your running back gets arrested because he was robbing a 7-Eleven or (laughs) shit like that, and then you lose him, or you have to pay money to get him back. All kinds of stuff. Yes, all kinds Be of stuff. Be like the real world sports in a, <laughs> a kind of funny way. So whatever something crazy happens in the real world with a sports athlete, you can expect to find it in Mutant Football League shortly after it happens. So, oh, the other thing. It became a, a, an eSport. People were playing this competitively and all that. So when did this all come about? That's just all organic, man. Really? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Um, I, I play some guys, because every now and then they, like, go, Manhattan, get up there and play, and I go play, and, like, some of the dudes I play against are so good. Right. What I end up doing is I end up, like, contracting with these guys to uh, help with our AI and to find out, like, their little uh, tricks that they use so we can you know fix those issues in the game we we have some players that are so good it, it's just like you almost want to ban them <laughs> <laughs> right i hate those players that's why i don't play online anymore <laughs> so they they just have so much fun just kicking my ass <laughs> <laughs> oh so what what was the biggest uh, pot prize for w- one of the tournaments I mean, we put up some money for some uh, some of the tournaments that some of the esports guys. It's not that much. I mean, we usually like two hundred fifty bucks, something okay. like that. And then we also give prizes. You know, if you come in second or third and that type of thing. And I have to know too, as as a person who only plays video games and has no idea what goes on behind the scenes, how do people or studios come up with the trophy list? We we do it like like everything else like we just brainstorm it with our team we also pass it out to the community to get their ideas once you have a product that's out and people really like it you have some of your hardcore fans that are really great at playing it and they help us in a lot of ways and uh, the community will go we need this we need this we need this Mm -hmm. and, and then we try and do it so it's it's a mix of community and dev team because sometimes I really think that the developers are back there and like, how can we fuck the player and make him so angry to get this trophy? We're just going to put it on there. Like one of those impossible trophies. You know what I mean? They're hard. Some of them are really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but it's usually like, um, it's usually the community, right? So we have a mode where we have difficulty settings and then we have the difficulty setting, which I call all-star masochist or something like Jesus. that. Because that's what it is. Like, it's for people that like to be tortured. And I can't even play that mode. So go ahead and play that mode with the death index turned all the way up. Oh, God. I actually had one of our, you know, all-star community guys uh, design the difficulty for that. Because I couldn't, like, I couldn't beat it to test it. But he had to have videotape proving to me with the configs so we could make sure that he could beat his difficulty setting. Wow. And he beat his difficulty oh, setting, okay. and we did that for, like, 
the masochists out there who like to torture themselves. No, thank you. Again, I, I like to enjoy to play video games. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, everybody's different. Of course. So that's why we have all those options. Like, no, you got if you it. play Rookie, I mean, it's really simple. You'll progress, yeah. you know, nicely. And, you know, but when they go and they play competitively, they're usually playing with agreed-upon settings. And it's usually right. default settings. And everybody agrees, hey, sure. these are, this is a speed... This is the camera, this is the difficulty, and then they all go play. Yeah, exactly. So, what's the favorite game you've worked on? Doesn't mean it's the best game or whatever, but the one you have, like, the, the fondest memories of. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of games. Um, but my, my favorite is still coming back to, it's Mutant League Football, oh, right? Wow. There you and go. that so was football. the one that we everything we had to make mutant football league because i just love because i love football i love violence i love like (laughs) political parody and all of that and it was kind of the game that took all those things together and wrapped them into this you know cultural statement of sports american culture politics violence it kind of is all that um you know there's other games like sarge's heroes that i made for nintendo that i i just or battle tanks was really fun that Mm -hmm. was like for uh n64 was one of the first ever multiplayer games uh golden eye came out first but it was kind of right after golden eye and it was a really fun cool uh, you know, you, you played in the city and it was kind of capture the flag and you're in these famous cities like New York or San Francisco and as you're shooting, buildings are exploding and you're mm-hmm. creating new pathways through the city. Nice. Kind of very innovative game right? that yeah. we did. So, yeah. But it's always going to come back to like Mutant so League. That's, that's all. Again, in full circle, as they say. And what about a series either that hasn't been around for a while or that is around that you would love to work on? That you could just see, if I got my hands on this, I could do so many things with it. Uh, well, so like we did a graphic novel. Uh, this was a game that we were working on at 3DO, but then 3DO you know went right. bankrupt yep. but it was it's the game i i want to do more so bad and it's called four horsemen of the apocalypse oh okay and it is a uh, story-based game uh if you so there were a lot of when we came up with this idea it was just completely fresh and original and I love the concept so much that when 3DO uh, went into bankruptcy, I actually purchased it out of bankruptcy oh, wow. to try and build That's the cool. game. Yeah. And I, it was like, because it was a Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, every publisher I brought this game to mm-hmm. like went out of business. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. I, That's so the game was kind of like that, where it had all these kind of dark overtones oh, to it. Right. And then I said, okay, so it's clear I'm never going to be able to develop <laughs> this game because every time I bring it somewhere, the engineer dies or the company goes out of business. Oh, my God. So um, I decided I'm just going to do a graphic novel right. of it. So I spent... Um, 
you know, about a year and a half of my life trying to get this graphic novel out. And I had Simon Bisley uh, doing all the art for it. So Simon Bisley, like, is, you know, uh, Eisner award-winning comic book artist. And we we did uh, the graphic novel. But that's the game I would really love to do. It's kind of like mix between... Um, devil may cry and the darkness you know it's right. it's kind of in that vein but it just it's much more about revelations and you know the whole storyline from um the book of revelations in the bible and it's about a guy uh who has to go to hell and turn around three corrupt people so god's like if you can turn around these three corrupt souls to mm. do something good in their life for once, I will save the earth. Okay. But the hero has to die, has to actually commit suicide to go to hell to try and turn around these three corrupt individuals. Oh. It's kind of a cool story. Yes. And, uh, you know. Oh, that's cool. So then, like, so I guess that was the whole thing behind making the graphic novel. So at least you could put the story out there somewhat. At least I could get the story out there, and I did, and it was released first in heavy metal, okay, as a as a series, and then they released a series of books, and then um, Titan Publishing took all those books and turned it into an omnibus. Oh, there you go. And was yeah, that so? That that is kind of my stand, right? Mm. And uh, so, at some point in time, I would like to do a game of that. But that is so different than anything we're doing right now. But that's kind of like one of these days. I'd like to get that game done. And is that the only graphic novel you put out, or do you have more? Um, it's the only graphic novel of relevance. We did other graphic novels okay. for other projects we were doing, but sure. I, I didn't necessarily write them. Ah, uh, okay. I was kind of like, here's my writer, Mike Kennedy, you're writing this, Mike, who are the artists we should do. So I was kind of going, approving the storyline, and you know, other guys were doing the art and the writing for it. So I don't okay. really include that in my repertoire. Sure. So this one I I wrote. Oh yeah, that makes sense, I guess. So before we get to the dumbass of the week, uh, what are you currently playing? What or what was the last game that you played? Um. Well, it was Madden. Oh, okay. Yeah, and right now when I am I am um, underwater in our new development. So when we're I don't have the opportunity to play a lot of games, unfortunately. Right. I am building games and uh, doing all the other stuff that we need to do to keep this company going. But uh, obviously, Madden, I play a lot. And, you know, I love Call of Duty. So, you know, I always got to play a little Call of Duty. I tend to go back and play like older games just to get some stuff um, from some older classics that perhaps I could use in the uh, new games we're doing. But, you know, when I have time, I play. I, I 
end up playing games more for research than for um, pleasure. Mm-hmm. So, like, if we if we're looking at monetization, okay, I got to go play some games that are free to play now, right? So, but it's not like I'm sitting back having some wine and I'm just going to go leave me alone for three hours because <laughs> I'm just going to get lost. Right now. My wife is like, hey, buddy, get over here. (laughs) (laughs) So you see, people, this is more ammunition or anything or whatever it is, word I'm trying to think of, to go purchase this game because he's putting up and sacrificing hours of playing video games to make video games so we could play. So go support the man. (laughs) Ah, thank you. All right, on to the dumbass of the week then. So this week's dumbass is pretty out there. Okay, um... What's the dumbest thing you've done in your life with money? Like, what's the dumbest purchase or anything you've done with, or you got caught in a scheme or anything? Oh, so my question, um, the dumbest thing I've ever done with money was when I was at 3DO and my (laughs) wife said, sell like 60% of your stock. (laughs) And I said, well, no. Because it's going to go higher. And she goes, honey, you started when it was at three. It's at like 15 now. Right. Why don't we sell like 70%? And I said, "Smart." just let's wait till it hits 20. And when it hits 17, the tech bubble burst. Mm. Oh, my God. You see that? The time again, but hindsight, right? That, that's always like that. So that was the dumbest thing I ever did. Okay, well, that's not, that's not even close to this person. So <laughs> this man, he's, he's, he's a multimillionaire, and he just recently got divorced. And he's actually Canadian. He's based out of uh, the capital, oddly enough, in Ottawa. And <laughs> so he went to court. They have a kid, and they said that he has to pay alimony and has to pay child support. So what this man does is goes to the bank, Pulls out all his money, that like his liquid money that he has, and <laughs> takes it back. I guess they lived on a farm or something. Put it in a bonfire and lit it up and let it go and let it burn. And now he has no money and that's his excuse to not pay child support and alimony. Oh, that's frill. That's rich. <laughs> that's rich. And when they interviewed him and asked Child him, support being the key word. Right. What a scumbag. But when they interviewed him and they asked him why they did why he did this, he was like, because money means nothing to me. I, I could always make more after. I was like, what? Like, that's Again, like you said, that's not the point. It's about his child. And oh, again, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Can I throw out a dumbass of the week? Sure. Since we just had the NFL draft. Okay, go for it. <laughs> so when we were planning on this... Uh, the podcast we were trying to figure sure would it does it make more sense to do it before the nfl draft or after and somehow i screwed everything up because last week on my calendar i had oh, this is when we're doing the podcast oh shit like, oh man it's during the nfl playoffs but it wasn't i went back and i checked okay so I'm, that's a small dumbass that's me but beyond that so I'm from Chicago, right. and I love my Chicago Bears, and our rivalry is the Green Bay Packers. Of course. And I hate the Green Bay Packers, right? Same here, because I'm an Eagles they are, fan. They get Brett Favre, Hall of yep. Fame, and then, then they get Aaron Rodgers, Hall yep. of Fame. 
none of these guys ever get hurt. They're yep. great, and Chicago's on like their 289th quarterback, Jesus. and they pass up on Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. <laughs> All right, so that's my world. All right, so here's Green Bay. Okay. They get deep into the playoffs last year. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is getting up there, but he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Of course. They've never spent a first-round draft pick on a wide receiver or some kind of weapon to help Aaron Rodgers. Yep. So this is the year, right? They got a good defense. They got a running back. So this is the year where the Packers can give Aaron Rodgers some toys sure. that he could just Go do something with, right? Yeah. And what do the Packers do? They draft a quarterback who they can't use for at least two years. And even if he, like, the only way that whole thing works is if he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. And knowing Green Bay, Love's probably going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback just with my love. (laughs) But regardless... You got this finite window with Aaron Rodgers, and I was just stunned that the Packers drafted a quarterback in the richest wide receiver draft of like the last 12 years to yes. get another quarterback. Can, I mean, can you imagine how Aaron Rodgers just must be like, what are you guys doing to me? Yep, maybe the the writing's on the wall. Like he's getting a wake up call. That's it. After your contract's up, we don't need you anymore, buddy. <laughs> I mean, do you know how lethal Packers would be with like yes a very good wide receiver next to Devontae Adams, like right. with Aaron Rodgers, and then I mean they're they could compete against any team in the league, and they go draft a quarterback. I I don't get it, but. Again, so we'll see what happens. So you got my dumbass of the week, the Green Bay <laughs> That's a good dumbass because I'm a, I'm a Philly Eagles fan. So obviously we've had our heart broken by the Packers in the playoffs many a times. So good that they did something dumb this year. <laughs> the, hey, the Eagles drafted a quarterback too. Uh, yes, but they did. I think that was a really smart draft that the Eagles did. I, I thought yes. it was really smart. Wentz gets hurt. Exactly. And... Like, I got no problem with uh, the Eagles draft. And they also drafted a wide receiver, too. So, hey, like you said, yeah, it was... It was, it, deep, it was a deep, deep draft, draft for receivers. So, so what do the Bears do? They draft a tight end. But I'm... <laughs> well, at least, hopefully, he can still catch a ball. So, it's close enough. The weakest enough. draft for tight ends in years, that's who the Bears go for. But, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, they'll prove me wrong. We'll see. We'll see. Well, Michael, thanks for coming aboard. Really appreciate you coming on. You could plug your stuff where people could find a game. Well, we already said it, but do it again. And just in case people are sleeping or where people could get a hold of you, if you want people to find you. Yeah. So anybody can contact me uh, through mutantfootballleague.com. So we got a website for mutant football league. Um, I, I do respond to people's uh, emails when I can. Uh, for sure, somebody from Digital Dreams. We're also digitaldreams.com. Um, get us on Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, and we're on Steam. So um, thank you so much. It was really it was a good time, good interview questions. 
and uh, yeah, like love to do it again sometime. No, per, I would love to have you on in the future for sure. And no social media presence. You're not a big uh, Twitter or Instagram guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> at M Menheim Twitter. That there you go for Twitter or at Mutant Football on Twitter. So go. we also Instagram. We're all over the place. I'm sorry. I've been <laughs> no worries. I've been in meetings all day long today. <laughs> And this was the best one out of all of them. Oh, I really appreciate that, Mike. Thank you so much. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show. Listen to those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, helps me out. Go to my T Public store. Click on the link. It's there in the description. Buy something nice. If not, just go rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. So, till next time, Michael, really appreciate it. And any parting words for uh, any gamers out there? Yeah, stay safe and healthy. And the next time we do this, I should bring Tim Kitzrowan with me, and then we should have a couple six-packs here, and you'll have a really super entertaining show. Oh, let's do that. See, I'm not a drinker myself, but because I live in the fine country of Canada, uh, marijuana is legal up here, so I'll smoke a joint while you guys drink a six-pack. How about that? That'll work. Perfect. On that note, he's Michael. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. Take care.